further up and further in to your presence, deep to deep and deeper still in your river, satisfied longing Welcome to Further Up and Further In. I'm Amy and I'm here with Michelle. Hey, Amy. I'm going to follow through with how I said we would start this podcast today. Good. So I'm not confused. (laughs) That will make sense to anyone who listened to the episode that was released two weeks before this one because I had a good idea and then I shifted gears and you looked confused and I have no idea why. (laughs) As we come to podcast again, every time we kind of have this deer in the headlights, what are we supposed to do? What are we going to talk about? Do we even know anything? (laughs) Have we talked through it all and now we're just saying the same things over and over again? Who listens to our podcast anyway? Well, one of our listeners sent us a fabulous list of questions that could fuel conversations for a while. Uh, Critical question she asked at the opening in her Facebook post was tips for finding the perfect pair of shoes. Mm. Please don't check out male listeners. You need great shoes too. Yeah. Right off the top of the bat. <laughs> Tip. Don't look at them online for too long before you try them on. Oh. I have fallen in love with a pair of boots. Yeah. That were like, I love them, I love them, I love them. I was committed. I was like going into the store to buy them. Yeah. I got there. They did not fit my legs. They did not look good on me. And it was like I had invested so much time that these were the pair. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just that th- I've done that a couple of times, actually. Yes. So if you like them, maybe see them in person before you've like heavily emotionally invested in them. Okay, man, that's some solid advice there. I mean, I'm all about the flea temptation these days. Yeah. Without a steady paycheck, I shouldn't be finding the perfect pair of shoes. However, I do follow shoe pages on, Mm. you know, my favorite shoe store. So that gives me some, uh, like, oh, I like those ones. So yes, then I try them on. But then I try not to buy them right away unless I Mm. 100% know I love them. Yeah, that's a good call. You don't want to impulse purchase buying shoes. No, but shoes do matter. Shoes are lovely. I have a theory, having gone through what I've been dealing with with my health for the last year and not able to wear the kinds of clothes that I would always like to or feel are cute. I've learned if you show up with cute shoes and lipstick, people think you put a lot of effort in and you didn't. I'm seriously wearing <laughs> leggings and a tunic in between the shoes and the lipstick. It works. Pro tip, guys, I don't know what your version is of this, but yes, still invest in great shoes. They are an investment. If you buy good ones, they last forever. But then if I can't stop thinking about the pair of shoes I tried on, chances are really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. I should go back and, and buy them. Yeah. If they're the last pair in your size and you love them, buy them. Keep them, take them home, wear them in the house, and then decide if you're going to keep them or not. There's another tip. Mm-hmm. Don't don't wear them out until you know. Yes, yes, because sometimes the shoes are beautiful and you love them, and you but you wear them and you're like, these actually hurt my feet. I will not be wearing them. Exactly. So that's you know how many tips does this listener want? I mean, yeah. we don't want to do a whole episode. I think one more would be it's okay to wait to find the perfect pair. It's like I can vacillate between impulse purchase or never pick. And like with my red shoes, I knew I would know them when I found them Mm. and I did. Yeah. So don't worry about if you've got it in your mind that even if you're kind of funny like me, these shoes matter. They're a prophetic word. Pair of shoes in your life. They'll come. You'll find them. Yeah. So it's more like keep your eye open. Be neither impulsive or 
too reluctant to spend the money. Mm -hmm. Some of the ones I've agonized over that I shouldn't spend the money, I have worn them so much. I'm so glad I bought them because they spoke to me. Mm, Yeah. And they hide a multitude of sins, apparently, between my leggings and tunics. (laughs) People are like, oh, cute boots. And I'm like, you didn't even notice I'm wearing a baggy sweatshirt over leggings. (laughs) So there's that. Now, she also had some meaty questions for us. Yes. Yes, she did. And I appreciate that. I think we cover both in this podcast. And her question was how to be vulnerable or know who to share things with without being without it blowing up in your face. Mm-hmm. And then she admitted our podcast is all about vulnerability. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. There's so many times I'm in a conversation with somebody where I'm like, they, how do they know this about my life? And then I remember you and I just sat in a room together yep. having a good time, having we a conversation. Talked about it. Forgot that I told the whole world about it. Yeah. Well, or at least those listeners that follow us. And then I do have little moments of what I call a vulnerability hangover. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, man, ah, oh, uh, I did say that on the podcast. And now anybody who wants to can listen to it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a little clue about vulnerability. Yep. Yep. And her question, why should we? When should we? How should we? Yeah. Very good questions. Very and good questions. And it's probably a good idea to be thoughtful about it. Did you know the word vulnerable means susceptible to physical or emotional attack? Mm. Right? That makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I uh, I remember when I was thinking uh, about this podcast, I remember um, read a little thing that was saying, often we think we're being vulnerable, but we're just being transparent. Mm. And not saying transparency is bad, but somehow we can sometimes think, oh, yeah, I'm being vulnerable, when really we're just being transparent. Vulnerability has that aspect. I mean, I think the speaker or wherever I read it was like, you know, vulnerability makes you maybe feel a little nervous. It, mm-hmm. your your heart rate, it, it, it you feel a little exposed. Mm-hmm. Whereas transparency is just not hiding. Okay. So I would even say these are both good things and mm-hmm. somewhat part of the answer to the question of how do we know who, when, yep. where to share Because I would say that I value transparency Mm -hmm. and vulnerability has an appropriateness to it. Yes. Now, I think sometimes people also use the word authentic interchangeably, Mm -hmm. which I don't think is fully interchangeable. No, I don't Mm -hmm. think so. I Mm -hmm. think we, I think we're supposed to always be authentic, which is like showing up as ourselves, not self-protecting, not self-promoting. There we go with those two words again. I know, right? I just thought when it comes to this, one of the questions I have to ask in terms of when is it appropriate to share? Mm -hmm. When am I oversharing? When am I hiding and withdrawing? Well, asking the question, am I self-protecting or self-promoting? We could just be done with the podcast. Yeah. Let's stop. Yep. Done. (laughs) But important, critical questions, because I have seen people say, oh, I just, you know, value vulnerability, authenticity, transparency. These are such high values for me. And all they're doing is being a bit of an exhibitionist emotionally. And I can't stand it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, right, again, the the motives, why are we sharing what we're sharing? And I think sometimes what I've noticed is sometimes we can get confused and it's like, you know, sharing the the deep parts is a way to shortcut intimacy. Mm, that's good. Right? Or like to yeah. like be like, well, if I just like spill my guts to this person, then we're going to be like best friends. It, like oh, kind of, you know, like yeah. shortcutting yeah. like natural progression that we can kind of use yeah. it as a currency in a weird way. Yeah. Right? And so I don't think that that's maybe the most healthy way of using vulnerability. No, it's not. Because it's kind of a, 
manipulation tactic. Ooh. Like, I've spilled my guts to you. Now you feel like you owe me something. Wow. Okay, this is, again, why can't we just have a straightforward answer? It has to be so nuanced. That's so good, Amy. Yeah. That's a really good question to ask ourselves. And, and the other, you know, the other oversharing thing is just, do I crave attention? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then my judgmental reactions to both of those scenarios are actually a bit of an opposite ditch for me Mm. being vulnerable or transparent or authentic is I don't want to be that kind of person. Mm. So I'm not going to. Yeah. Which just uncovers a judgment. So again, we're really complex. Yeah. Because I know sometimes God is inviting me to share something with a level of vulnerability. And one of the thoughts I have is people are just going to think dot, dot, dot. Mm. So there we go with the other ditch. What's going to keep me from being vulnerable yeah is people are just gonna think Mm. i struggle with this a lot in the last few months as i was like what part of my journey do i share don't i share why do i want to share why don't i want to share and being right in the middle of a significant hard thing while also having life that through calling and ministry is quite public Mm -hmm. i've really had to work through what is appropriate what's not appropriate to share yeah so i don't ever share lightly Without thinking it through a little bit. Yeah. And then asking myself these questions. Mm-hmm. And part of the question is, like, you know, why do I want to share or not want to share? And when I think about this definition susceptible to physical or emotional attack, I have to ask myself, what is my place of safety? Mm-hmm. And why not? And I mean, frankly, some of it's just because people are well-meaning and unhelpful sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Just acknowledge that. But is it still going to help somebody else? Yeah. Is it going to point to Jesus? Some of my not wanting to be vulnerable is I don't want people to know my weakness. Well, why don't I want them to know my weakness? Oh, that's an identity question right there. Mm. So. One one of the things that as I was thinking about this, I was like, yeah, man, like always want to be authentic, but we got to be, um, you know, maybe not always vulnerable. And then I was like, I... I'm not sure. I think I think we're actually, and I'm throwing this out here. I've not thought a lot about this. Perfect. Oh, I'm so excited now. Right. I can't one wait of the to hear what one of say. the things in my like manifesto that I have for myself is be vulnerable mm-hmm. and stay vulnerable. Mm. And so I think we're actually called to be vulnerable. We show up vulnerable in every. I think I think we're supposed to do that. But what vulnerability looks between me and you. Mm-hmm. is very different than what vulnerability looks like when I'm showing up at a board meeting, mm-hmm. what it looks like at a business. Like, I think we're called to be vulnerable, not self-promoting, not self-protecting. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to show up vulnerable, but it's going to look different because vulnerability is like that open open to emotional what was it? Emotional pain? Physical or emotional attack. Physical emotional pain or, you know, this attack. definition where, or attack, sorry. You know, vulnerability makes you a little nervous. So what makes me a little nervous in mm-hmm. me and you, mm-hmm. it's going to be way different than what makes me a little nervous saying from the pulpit. And right. so I can be vulnerable in both settings. In an appropriate way. In an appropriate way and it will look very different. That's such a good Does way that- to kind of unpack that. Yeah, because I'm thinking... Yeah, appropriateness of vulnerability does look different. And when you use the the boardroom analogy or the, you know, maybe it would be more professional, I hesitate to speak or say things sometimes 
totally out of a self-protecting. Mm-hmm. I, I want to maintain my in in this space. I don't want to rattle other people. Oh, wait, that means that I'm scared of how they're going to react to me. Yeah. Soon as I disarm it that way, I'm like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. And then I'm able to be. Yeah, take a risk. This research I just did around women in ministry, I had some days where I kind of lost some sleep about submitting it because I recognized it triggered some things in the readers, like my mm-hmm. initial readers. I was like, man. And it was a, it was about vulnerability professionally. Yeah. Other people are going to read this and then think I am this or that. Mm-hmm. Why did I do this research? Why am I sharing it? Oh, I'm sharing it because I want to help other, both men and women, do this women and men working in ministry well. Yeah. So once I reoriented myself to the purpose of my vulnerability, it made sense. Yeah. So I think I think we're in however whatever spheres we're in, we're supposed to show up authentic, vulnerable, and transparent. But it will look different in all so the things. Good. So good. Right. I think because it's like what what is the point of some of mine? I was like, okay, why why is it important to be authentic and vulnerable? And I think there's like a a benefit to not only us, the people that are doing it, but the people that get to experience mm-hmm. it. And all of it around is like being, I, some of my thoughts were like being loved and seen, mm. right? Where it's like, if I show up authentically, there's less chance for the, for the enemy to come in and say, you know what, if they really knew how you were, they wouldn't love you. Yeah. Or they wouldn't want you or they wouldn't accept you, right? And vice versa, someone sees me showing up authentically, vulnerably sharing who I am, it like gives space. It's like, oh man, they're doing this. And I see that they are like loved and accepted. Okay, then I can too. And then also like we're connecting with like the real of each other, Mm -hmm. not like connecting with the hologram that we've projected. Whoa. Yes. Yes. And so it makes space to both be loved and make space for other people to experience love. Exactly. So good. And I think as I was trying to navigate what to share in this whole cancer journey, my honest first month, as you well know, was like, I'm not talking about it. Mm-hmm. I can't even talk about it till we're done. And some of that was just actually like common sense. I was not ready. I was so not ready for other people's thoughts, ideas, and inputs outside of a small circle of people I knew was going to lend me faith and space. Yeah. I needed space before I had any advice. Yeah. So that was like applying wisdom mm-hmm. to it. But the day came when I was like, now I'm just withholding this because the awkwardness of what I'm experiencing is, it, it it's vulnerable. Like this is private and my life isn't private, so I can't be private. And also, will people know God in my weakness? Mm-hmm. Will I give other people permission yeah. to be weak? Because unfortunately, there's some level of religion that makes us want to show up shiny and perfect before anybody sees. Yeah. So that's a real thing. Also, appropriateness of one and where to be vulnerable. It's in the Psalm. I feel like it's 72. Mm. But David says, you know, if I had spoken of my pain publicly in the house of the Lord, people would have been offended and lost their faith. Yeah. So there again, like how much do we share? What, when? Also has to do with where we're sharing it. Yeah. Me sharing it over coffee with somebody is different than me preaching it from the pulpit. Yeah. Naming my pain. There's a level of responsibility Mm -hmm. to what we have sorted out or admitting what we don't have sorted out. Yeah. And I think that honesty was important. So I continued to ask for big, I asked for miracles a lot Mm -hmm. in my prayer requests, knowing that people with all kinds of different backgrounds were going to see that. 
as like, what, why is the risk here? What's the vulnerability? Mm. Well, if I don't get the miracle I asked for, are God and I under attack? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, we're just on a journey. Yeah. I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to invite other people into it. Yeah. And right there was said, you, you know, as you were processing, you were saying, what is, what is the vulnerable part or what's making me feel vulnerable? Mm-hmm. I think is a good question to ask. Yeah. Like, what about this is making me slightly nervous and wobbly and hesitant or whatever mm-hmm. of like being aware of why is saying this or engaging in this vulnerable for me? Again, that, it's going to look different. And that might be a helpful question. Like our listener's question was without this vulnerability blowing up in my face. So it's, there's asking those questions, like what is the level of risk yeah. in exposing it? And why is it a risk? Yeah. Both are really good questions. Mm-hmm. As a leader in the community, in the church, sharing stuff that was going on with my kids when they were growing up wasn't appropriate because mm-hmm. the vulnerability also affected them. Yeah. So you have to find appropriateness of space. What is the risk with sharing? Yeah. Is also a good question. Yeah. It's always safest to be pe- more vulnerable with people who are also vulnerable. Mm. So if you're looking for that, I mean, yeah. part of the drawback of ministry and being vulnerable publicly is then then everybody wants to be that with you. Yeah. And you can't have that many open, deep relationships. But look around you and see who else is being authentic about what they're going through. They're probably a safer place for you. Mm. Yeah. And we can't just flip a switch and be safe. No. So this is an ongoing growth. It's a spectrum of where is it appropriate, but it's also a spectrum of learning, like how much can I share? Yeah. And so much of our safety, I recognize when I don't feel safe, I think because other people are going to X, Y, and Z. Mm. The question is, what does God say is true about me? And what do I know to be true about me? Both of those things have to be a bit established before Mm. I can risk it. Yeah. And the reality is, it might just blow up in your face. Right. Like, I don't think, I mean, we can, there's things that can lessen the chance of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, that's part of the the, the vulnerability part mm-hmm. is that there this is could go inherently. not awesome at all. Yeah. And what? And what? Right? Like, yeah. okay, if say this really does go sideways, how is Jesus going to meet you in this? Yeah. How is he going to, you know redeem, restore, grow, reconcile, all the things. Yeah. And it is that risk of loss versus what can we gain too. Mm -hmm. I've thought about that a lot. Even we've joked because you have like so many of my passwords from all the times you're helping me do some different things. And then it's like we joke about, you know, oh, the blackmail file, all the things that you could have, would have, do know. And I remember listening to a podcast where this guy who's got a well-established ministry talked about having a ministry partner who Mm. then did betray him. And I remember thinking when I was listening to that, like, that would be like me and Amy. Mm. And then I was like, but she actually could. Yeah. And then I was like, there is a fear reaction of self-protect. Like, Mm. why would you? Oh, oh no. And it's like, look at what God has done and how much goodness and mercy and blessing there has been as we have learned to grow in vulnerability with each other. And if that ever did happen, hmm. Jesus would help me. Yeah. Actually. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) So we grow in learning and knowing we're loved, loved by God. I think it starts with vulnerability with ourselves and God. Mm. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, we can't be where we're not there. When we're vulnerable from a place of intimacy with God and we're sure of his love, we know then that we are safe regardless of what might happen in these other relationships. Not that it won't cost us something. Of course it will. That's part of vulnerability, like Mm -hmm. you said. 
it's still a risk to be vulnerable, but because we're rooted in our identity in Jesus... We're actually pretty safe. Right? It doesn't have all the other things tethered to it anymore. Yeah. And so much of like wanting to grow in that and seeking and learning and knowing how to be vulnerable is because the payoff is so good. Mm-hmm. It makes space for other people to know Jesus. And that to me is worth it. Exactly. And that matters so much. It's in the, in the, what we call the love chapter, first Corinthians 13, love is all these things. It's like part of maturity is I am seen and known and loved. Mm. And so I can love you well. And we're not even ever going to fully experience that until we see Jesus face to face. But I think we make space for other people to begin to taste and experience that as we live loved. Therefore, we can risk vulnerability. And it will always make space not just for us, but for other people around us to go further up and further in. Mm-hmm.